On the other hand, there is absolutely a reason and we just don't know what it is yet. And so uh -huh. how, what are, what are we going to do to figure out what is the thing that's pushing the self-sabotage? Mm -hmm. um, and how do we get these pieces of us aligned so that we can create something beautiful together? Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. What if I told you that your company's money issues were more about your feelings than they were about your sales or any other metric an accountant can throw at you? I would have agreed with you up until I met this week's guest, Brittany Tam, a certified money coach who helps business owners find peace with their finances. She works with clients to get curious about the subconscious drivers of their behaviors so they can create sustainable and sustained change. Bringing in a background in bookkeeping and education, she helps entrepreneurs take concrete action toward their goals with compassion and ease. She's on a mission to help people feel empowered and joyful as they engage with their money. Let's join the conversation. Welcome to the show, Brittany. I am so excited to be here and talk money. Oh my gosh. Well, I, you know, it's funny because when we're, uh, we were talking about money, but then you, then you brought in this, we're, we're both we're, real quick. We are both huge fans of profit first. Mike Michalowicz, if, uh, if you've been living under a rock, Michael Bozinski likes profit first. <laughs> there you go. I think my, audience, my, my regular audience definitely knows how much I love profit first. Like that, that concept saved my uh, relaunching of my business, the whole nine yards. So we're not going to dive into that today because one of the things we were talking about though, was like, you're kind of like, um, the woo, the woo, is it woo, woo or woo? Let's woo, woo either of or whatever the money feels comfortable. side of things, like how money makes you feel right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I came here kind of, um, on my journey, but also on my journey when I was bookkeeping for clients where it was, we would set up systems for profit first. And um, despite the fact that we would set up systems, there was avoidance or there was non-compliance. Like um, all of a sudden, you know, you have the allocations that you make on the 10th and the 25th or whatever two times in the month that you choose, right? Mm -hmm. But then you're like, wait, what are these transfers between accounts in between? And what's happening with your tax account and your like tax revision and all of that, right? So, <laughs> so for the works. people who don't know what she's yeah. talking about and have not read Profit First yet, one of the the principles of the of Profit First is one, it's breaking away from the gap, the general accepted account practices. And instead of saying income minus expenses equals profit, we are doing income minus your profit equals what you have for expenses. And so to help with that, you have multiple accounts that, that, are, set aside, that are specific to your taxes, your income, your salary, and your expenses. And so everything goes into an income account, and twice a month, you disperse that income account into those other accounts so you know how much money you have for each pieces of that business, starting with your profit but always covering your taxes and always covering your salary. And then you're, and then the rest of it is for the expenses of the company. So you're telling me that there are people out there who've read the book. They hire somebody who loves profit first. 
You set everything up, get the systems going, the whole nine yards, and then they self-sabotage by moving money around for absolutely no reason. And yeah, that's the thing. Like, on one hand, it's like, there is no reason for this. And on the other hand, there is absolutely a reason, and we just don't know what it is yet. And so uh -huh. how, what are, what are we going to do to figure out what is the thing that's pushing the self-sabotage mm -hmm. um, and how do we get these pieces of us aligned so that we can create something beautiful together. Right. Yeah. I love it. So when, when you're running into that, what happens to be, what is the most uh, obvious, not maybe obvious, the most um, common uh, reason that you're seeing them starting to break away from the system. So I feel like this one's a, a bit of a tricky one because um, there it's tricky in some ways and it's like super like straightforward in other ways. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's often like people do these things when they're in a state of um, fear, when they're in a state mm. of like, they're in survival mode. And so mm. all they see is this one solution as a way to like get their immediate needs net met. And mm. so whether it's safety and like just physical safety or whether mm -hmm. it's safety and love, whether it's safety and what is my sense of worthiness and being valued or mm. what is like my belonging in my community, like all those things can kind of come up but often that's not where our brain goes straight away, right? Like we mm -hmm. have to kind of follow the breadcrumb trails to, to get down to that like core. What is that core need that is not mm. being met in this immediate moment? So uh, I, yeah, I, I get it. So, so the straightforward is fear. Like our, our yeah. alligator brain is basically going fight or flight. We got to fix something. And so to, get, to help uh, create a picture for this, what, is this when they see one of their accounts starting to get a little slimmer than they're, they're comfortable with? Or why, why are they, what's their justification <laughs> of moving money from an account to another account that they're supposed to be doing? So I love this question because again, I'm, uh, and you're going to have to tell me when I need to be more concrete because I love yeah. the esoteric and like, how do all these things connect and all that, right? Because <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's triggered by seeing a smaller number and um, like a panic that comes with seeing a number that's smaller than they feel comfortable with. But mm -hmm. I have also worked with people who have panic when they see a number that's too big and like what it, 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 too big. like no too much money in say their profit account or like say too much money in their operations account in their operations account really and, and so well, like, they totally like so, forgot that like we want to have some padding there for like a few months <laughs> and this is where like you know you i had a, a business owner who went from um about about 80k one year mm -hmm. to 150k the next year Mm. And her bank balance, exactly the same. And that sense of like, oh my God, am I going to be able to pay the bills? Exactly the same as well. And it wasn't a pricing issue because she was pricing beautifully. We like broke down what are, um, what do we think 
COGS are going to be, what, what is the mm -hmm. cost of services? Mm -hmm. um, and we broke down all of that, um, owner's comp in the pricing. Uh huh. And still, like, we're at, at the end of the month, and she's like, how am I going to pay rent for my storage space? How am I going to pay this? And how am I going to pay that? And um, regardless of, like, how many kind of little subtle strategy changes we would apply, we could not get that to change. So we had to start having conversations of, okay, well, it's not a system issue. The mm. system, like... The system makes sense. It's mm -hmm. not a pricing issue. The pricing makes sense. So mm -hmm. like, what is your personal history with money? And so we start talking about like um, her personal history in adulthood, but then leaping into what is her personal history in childhood? And her mm -hmm. personal history in childhood is that they went through feast and famine as children. They didn't know um, when they were going to have money to spend on like the pretty stuff or the like, fun stuff and so and if they had money they didn't know that they were going to be able to keep it because who's mm -hmm. going to come knocking on the door being like and i want to cut of that and i want to cut of that so mm -hmm. she sees too much money in her account and that is not safe because somebody is going to get it and if somebody's going to get that money in her account it's going to be her and it's going to be on stuff that she doesn't really actually truly need right but it's a war it's it's and it's a way that somebody else can't take that money and can't take gotcha. the potential of that money so it's like literally squirreling it away but then it's it, spent though it's not actually squirreled like you don't like well, i used to have i used to have an issue with like if i had a lot of money i was going how do i make the money make money for me right because mm. i prescribe to a lot of that type of mentality of like you need your money making money so money in the if you listen to like guys like grant, grant cardone they say money in the bank is money drifting away you're it's you're losing more money leaving it there than it working somewhere right mm -hmm. and so for me i i grew up um not wealthy uh i would say lower middle class uh it, my teen years spent with a single dad who was working full-time going to school but also going to school as latchkey kid i had a job from the time i was 13 and a half to have the things i wanted he made sure i had everything i needed but if i wanted anything i had it there and so all of the money that i ever made was for the things i wanted so when i when i finally started my own business full-time because all my part-time businesses were the same thing. They fed my wants. They fed my dreams. They fed my pleasure sensory, right? Um, but then when it's like, okay, well, now I'm going to have a business that pays the bills. <laughs> that took mm -hmm. a long time to figure out how the, what that actually looks like, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where Parfit first comes in for guys like me who it's just a matter of just here's a system. I'm a good system follower. I like creating systems. I also like breaking systems, right? Yes. So, of course, I'm already like... I am halfway through the profit first book the first time through and I'm, and I'm peeking over at the advanced stuff I'm like, <laughs> stuff over here. Right. And, and I have like the advanced version, like Mike, Mike would look at me going, what the hell are you thinking buzz? But anyway, long story short is that I feel like people come, they're feeling for their, the way that they handle money. And this is what I'm hearing from you is the way that people handle the money is coming from their past. And it's, it's a, it's complete feelings based and not logic based. Yeah, I guess like, um, this is where we talk about what is the role of our subconscious and mm. our behavior, 
right? Mm -hmm. Because this is where that subconscious piece comes in. If subconsciously you're thinking that um, the more money I have, the more people are going to come to me looking for money, then um, what feels more comfortable? Does it feel more comfortable to like give it away, have to Mm -hmm. say no to people or just, just not have it? Right. Oh, that's so right? crazy. Like, yeah, for like, for somebody like me, you know, I look at, you know, I, I, I've been building my cash flow up, right. And being very cognitive of like, listen, I am building up these reserves. So when I see a lot of money, you know, I'm usually saying, okay, well, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. So if there's tens of thousands of dollars in an account, I go, I actually break it down. Well, how many months does that mean? Because mm-hmm. tens of thousands of dollars usually only means three, four months. So three and four are very much small, are very small numbers comparatively. And so when I put it into perspective, it's like, oh, yeah. I only have a buffer. If no money came in, I have a, only have a buffer of three months of, of uh, salary to, to run my business. Now that gives me like, oh, well then we need to stay frugal. Right. Not that we're going to move anything around. We're like, well, we got to keep, we got to hold on to that right there. And then anything else is trying to steal from it. We have to protect it. That's, that's me. It sounds like yeah. some people are, are more like, well, it, it, they, they, like you're sitting there, like the, basically the, they're, they're so used to people taking money from them that they feel like if they have it, somebody will take it. Yeah. And that's just like one specific example. Right. I think like sure. the thing is like everybody's story <sighs> It's fascinating to me because people come in with all these different stories and Mm -hmm. there are people who can come in with similar experiences and today the patterns of behavior that they exhibit are completely different. Like one person might just flat out avoid looking at their bank account, looking at their statements, looking at their like what's a profit and loss. Whereas the other Uh person is like obsessively looking at it. Right. Uh, And like, so it's, to me, it's like, what is the motivation behind each of those behaviors? Um, the avoidance mm. is motivated by fear, right? The avoidance, mm. like, yeah. and part of the, like, part of the work that we, we can engage in is what is behind that fear. Um, and if th- the thing that's behind that fear can be met in a way that doesn't lead to self-sabotage, then let's do yeah. that so that, like, your here adult, like, totally functional adult can do the things to create the beautiful visions, the dreams that you have. Um, And at the other point, like if you are super controlling, like that's often an indication of fear too. So what's the fear there? How do we meet that need? Um, So that when you go into this engagement with your money, it's not Mm -hmm. about fear. Um, There is we can do that like logical discernment that you're talking about Mm -hmm. where it's Mm -hmm. breaking down. What is, what is the significance of this money in practical terms? Um, Mm -hmm. that is not like my safety lives and dies by the money. Um, Mm -hmm. you, you know, like Mm -hmm. where, how do you see yourself as resourceful enough, um, to be able to create safety, uh, in multiple ways, but Mm -hmm. also, um, see this money for what it is, which is, not safety in and of itself. It's the thing that buys you safety. Um, yeah, I think and- it is like, okay, keep going. Yeah. No, go, go, go for it. Okay. I, I think that people do like, they give money a persona, if you mm-hmm. will. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so then they, they start having a relationship with an inanimate object, mm. you know? And for me, it's like, I see money as, as a lever. The mm. more money you have, the longer your lever. And so the longer your lever, the more leverage you have. Yeah. So if you want to do it, it, which more leverage you have in this world, the more freedom you have. Mm-hmm. So I just look at money as freedom, right? And right. if I have the money in the right places, I have different freedoms. So if I have yep. money making money for myself, then I have that freedom that I don't have to work for that money anymore. Because mm-hmm. I, I work for it once and now it's going to work for me for as long as I p- keep it there working, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then there's money that's long-term money. Like some people are still buying, you know, right now, uh, the, the, the recording of this interview, uh, Bitcoin's back up about 10000 dollars higher than it has been for the last six months right now mm-hmm. am i going to stop buying crypto because i bought it on the way down from sixty thousand all the way down to like twelve thousand or whatever whatever bottomed out and it's coming back up no because it's going to go i'm buying for 10 15 years from now mm-hmm. 10 from 15 years from now that ten thousand dollars would be insignificant mm-hmm. and it's money that's that is it's a it's a store of value right as long as it outperforms inflation over those 10 years, I, it's done its job. Anything after that, it's icing on the cake, right? Versus my IRAs and all the other things that are actually supposed to be making money if they're not by the, by, if they haven't given me a certain multiple at, by the, when I want to be able to draw from it, okay, then I'm upset, right? But mm-hmm. I, the, when you talk about people who look at their P&L, their P&L, now that's different than looking at your sales, like I can see a manager looking at their sales every day going, how did my team do? How did my company do? Are there things we could do, be doing better to hit our sales goal? Because that's the money coming in, right? But to sit there and look at your p I mean, that to me is like control. Like you're afraid that it's going to control you or somebody has not allowed you to have control of your money somewhere. And so you don't have control when you have that much control as far as I'm concerned. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, well, that's it. Like, um, how in the act of controlling something, have you allowed that something to control you? Right. Right. Yeah. So, and so I feel what like are the, is, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We have a little was, bit delay today gonna... from all of our listeners. We have just a little bit of delay today. So that's, uh, so we're, I don't want to step on you. I want to make sure you, no. you say everything you want to say there. So this is, I think where I feel like that woo comes in for me. Right. Okay. Right. Where I'm like, um, how can I work with money? And mm-hmm. maybe in some ways that is what you're talking about in terms of leverage, but mm-hmm. also like, what are the, like, what are the dreams I have and the visions I want to create? And mm-hmm. um, I just had a, a financial planner um, come visit me up here in Canada from the States. And it was lovely. And we were talking money, right? Cause mm-hmm. you know, um, when you're into money mm-hmm. and it's the whole, like, we would love to create affordable housing and like nonprofits that like created opportunities for people who are trying to recover um, like credit scores and all that. But like, like how can you engage in a conversation with money where it's like loving and reflective of that Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. as opposed to when you come to money and you're like, all you're carrying is this energy of fear or anxiety or like, Mm-hmm. I just don't want to deal with you, <laughs> you know? How would a human respond if you're in that state? And again, this is me going into that woo emotional place. I think it's important if you're, have, if you're struggling with money, I, I think that having this discussion about your feelings about it is in- extremely important. 
Um, cause I don't think that people, you know, associate feelings with yeah. cash, right? Yeah. They see numbers. Yeah. Numbers are logical. It's math. There's, it's a void of emotion. So I think it's refreshing to, to have somebody like you that's out there helping people with their relationship with basically what society is calling value, right? Mm-hmm. It's your mm-hmm. productivity. It's a show of your productivity. And then how you deal with, you know, what you keep, what do you do with it? Right. Yeah. And so if, if I also think that there's people who feel like they can't get past certain even sales, right? They sit there. Oh, well, I'm not, yeah. I, I don't deserve to be a millionaire. I don't deserve to have a company that, that brings in seven figures or multi seven figures. You know, who am I that, that whole, um, imposter syndrome, right? But I think it goes deeper than imposter syndrome when you start talking about cash, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. how can we, one, is there a way for us to identify whether or not we have a healthy relationship with money? So <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm going to go convoluted. Um, That's okay. Like, go, go, go meta. I don't care. <laughs> I feel like, so I, we were talking, I come Mm. from a very analytic background. I come from a Mm. very science-based background and it took a long time for me to um, get this whole, like, what, what do feelings feel like? And what does it mean to actually be in my body? Um, But uh, part of it is like, what is happening in your body as you're thinking about money um, is, like, are your shoulders coming up to your ears? Um, is your chest all contra- contracted? Because that's probably a sign that you're in some sort of nervous system activation. You're in some level of panic. And then you, we know that when we're in this level of panic, we mm. don't see options. Mm. So what do we need to do to get ourselves out of panic into this space where we're like, oh yeah, I am really freaking resourceful and I can make decisions. What do you do to like tell your nervous system? Yeah, it's okay. I see what you're, I, I understand you see a line on the horizon and it's okay, I got this line. How does money make you feel? Both emotionally and physically. I know my relationship with money has been a roller coaster over the years. After today's conversation, though, I feel that I have a better understanding of how to better manage that relationship in different ways when confronted with different situations. If you'd like to get more comfortable with your relationship with money, I encourage you to reach out to Brittany. All of our information is in the show notes where you can also make us feel better by liking and subscribing to the show. Until next time, stay buzzworthy.